the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that, for some strange reason, keeps reminding me that video killed the radio star. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you, you beautiful people. Thanks for telling a friend about the show. Tonight we are drinking 10-speed hoppy wheat pale ale by the awesome people at Bloomington Brewing Company, garage grade 4 out of 5 bottle caps. This American wheat ale is golden and hazy with earthy pine, crisp citrus, and juicy pineapple notes. And 10-speed hoppy wheat was brought to us by these awesome garage people. First up we have Gracie in Lexington, Kentucky. And then let's go all the way to Sweden for Linda. Big shout out to Linda. Like your gym. Next up, we have a note. This is from Sheldon in Portage La Prairie, Canada. Mm-hmm. Sheldon says he wishes he could master the art of the eloquent expletive as well as the captain has. Like your GM. Big shout out to Rebecca Kay in Scottsdale, Arizona. Also in Arizona, we have Jenisha. Foul. Foul. Stop with the Hoosier references. If you'd like to donate to the Beer Fund, go to True Crime Garage and click on the donate banner. And give a little love. B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. And go to truecrimegarage.com and check out our vlog series. We released the first episode. If we get enough views, we're gonna we're gonna do that more regular. Yeah, so it's easy. Just go to youtube.com and subscribe to True Crime Garage TV. That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. We're discussing the disappearance of 20-year-old Indiana University student Lauren Spear. She was out for a night of partying with her friends, and then in the early morning hours of June 3, 2011, she is last seen leaving her friend's apartment, Jason Rosenbaum. Now, he watches her leave. This is about 4.30 in the morning. And he watches her leave, and he says that he sees her walk up 11th Street. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the last time that she is seen. Since her disappearance, there has been several theories that have come about, as well as obvious suspects, thus being her boyfriend and the three guys that she was hanging out with that night. Well, let's dive into the first theory, and this is the foul play theory. Yes. Originally, the police had said that they expected foul play from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, They thought that this would be involved because Lauren had not communicated with anyone since her disappearance. Now, this could mean a lot of different things. And it, what one thing that it could mean is that maybe someone had picked her up. You know, we had said about her size. She 
She's small. Mm-hmm. Uh, she There's things going on that night that make her an ideal target. If she was where her friends say she was, she was small, she was intoxicated, and she was alone. Yeah, all those factors would make her easy to grab, easy to control. Or let's say that you didn't want to grab her because you didn't want someone to see you doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that this would be true with Lauren, but we do know that a lot of killers have got a lot of victims into their cars with the promise of drugs. Yeah. And well, yeah. But the, the other thing that I have not heard anywhere is that we do have one witness saying I had to pick her up and carry her back mm-hmm. and she lost her shoes, her phone at the bar then loses her purse and, and all these other belongings her keys. her keys on the way back to their apartment. What if she was just walking alone and then just was like, I, I'm going to stop here to rest. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. I'm just going to lay down for a minute. Now you got this passed out individual on the side of the road that is not that heavy. So this could be a very opportunist thing, mm-hmm. you know, somebody driving around and especially in these highly, you know, I can't speak for Bloomington. I can just speak for Ohio State campus. But if you go there on a Saturday night, Friday, Saturday night, you know, that scene is 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 busy. You know, there's walkers, there's commuters, there's people out and about. There's a lot of people. If I was looking to harm somebody and looking for an easy prey, a college campus is a perfect location. Oh, yeah. There's all these weird alleyways and there's, you know, and there's tons of underage people, intoxicated and walking and then walking alone. So, you know, she could have just been passed out somewhere. It's a whole community of pedestrians. And a lot of them on a Friday night or late Thursday, they're walking back to their place. Um, the thing here though, captain is the surveillance footage. You know, we, when we went through the timeline, we discussed all these different sightings of her on these different cameras, using camera footage from different apartment complexes and such that saw her walking with Corey back to her apartment Mm -hmm. and then seeing them walk to his apartment. The problem I have here is, you know, we've, we've seen what they've released. You know, they've released some pictures of her. The problem is where, why aren't we seeing more of this surveillance footage? Because we have this story of these guys stating that she left on her own. She walked out of here by herself. Now, if, if your theory is possible foul play or your theory is that one of these guys might have done something, if we could see this, what is on that surveillance footage that you're not releasing? And, and to be honest with you, Captain, it's very uncommon for them not to release this surveillance footage. Right. And I think there's, you know, there has been some clips because I've seen some little snippets. My question is, is there surveillance footage of her leaving her friend's apartment? Yeah. Because it, because if so, then all those eyewitness accounts somewhat check out up to that point. Yeah. And now, did she take off walking? To me, it'd be more likely that she'd run into somebody else that caused foul play outside of this group of four, or possibly even the ex boyfriend, mm-hmm. because the ex boyfriend claims. Now, let's just talk about his alibi. He claims that he finished watching Game Six, and then he went to sleep. So. Now, his roommate states that this was true, but they really don't have a solid alibi for where he was, you know, because he could have went to his room. Mm-hmm. His roommate goes to sleep and he gets up, you know, two, two o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Where is he at? Where's his alibi? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, and I don't mean to, to, to correct you here, but it was it was game two of the NBA Finals. Oh, did I say game six? You got excited there. It did go six games. Okay. Um, now, the thing here is you're exactly right. He says he's at home watching this game. The game was over just around midnight. Um, his roommate states that uh, he ended up going to bed. Jesse went to bed at 2.30 in the morning. Um, right. Is how solid is that? You know, how concrete is that information? What happened after two thirty? Could he have? Yeah, and and I'm not saying that the roommate's a liar. I'm just saying the roommate might not know. Well, and then the other possibility is that she may not have left those apartments as well, right? And that their stories don't check out. And that's why I'm calling into question about this surveillance footage. You know, they, they they had footage of the two of them walking into that alley, and then they have footage of them coming out of the alley on the way back to Corey's place. Mm -hmm. If she would have taken the same route, and I don't know that she would have, 
But had she taken the same route to get home or to return to where she was going, you know, do they have footage of her going into that alley and then not footage of her coming back out? You know, all these things would point us into some better direction rather than these, these four theories. Yeah. It's this very blurry area that we wish we had more answers basically. Well, and that leads us to police theory number two. This is the inner circle theory that Mm -hmm. someone in her inner circle had done something bad to her. You know, this could obviously mean her boyfriend or any of the other friends, the guys that she was hanging out with that night. Right. And like I said, I think initially it's a little odd, you know, Uh, normally people that are dating in their early twenties or they're not as mature. So to have a bunch of friends of the opposite sex might not be the coolest thing. And the fact that this guy's just like, well, I'm just going to stay at home and watch the game. And you're going to go hang out with three other dudes. By the way, you're going to also get drunk with them. Oh, you're going to be alone in their apartments with them. Eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. One thing I did when I was researching this case was I had to kind of step back and take away and, and kind of throw out what I thought maybe Lauren's motives were for that evening. You know, I, I just, I just have to kind of chalk it up to maybe she just wanted to go out and have a good time. I wasn't trying to girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Because I think if you try to read too much into what, you know, any one of these people in this group was trying to accomplish that night, it really could sway you in a weird direction. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stay on this inner circle theory here. And I'll tell you why captain, because really when you, when you look at the police theories, the first initial four theories, Mm -hmm. you could really kind of encompass all of those theories into this inner circle theory. Any any of those could be possible with any of these members of the inner circle. Yeah. So we have the, the boyfriend. Yes. Now his motive would be that she was out with some guys and maybe that he was jealous of this. Mm -hmm. And so therefore he murdered her retaliation. Now I think his, well, you know, his alibi is not, completely solid i think he it's definitely, a it's a reasonable alibi exactly and i think with that so let's just put him to the side for a second yes then the next guy you have is the guy she's hanging out with the most Corey. right and we now you know for the record they're just friends but his motive could be sexual you know men are dogs that's how we are it's possible yeah it's it's reasonable to suspect that and so the the, the idea the idea here would have to be that he wanted to have sexual advances with her and that was not happening. So therefore he killed her or he raped her and killed her. But the problem with this is they hung out with, you know, he hung out with her so much. And even though Lauren was small, I mean, she's this partying rock star, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I glorified that too much, but you know, anyway, she's holding her own and he, by the time they get back, he carries her. And I think that to me is a sign that this guy is trying to get lucky. Like, well, I'll and, carry her back. I well, don't and care. mind you, this is the the part that I have a big issue with with Corey mm-hmm. is that they are at her apartment. I mean, they're right. not physically inside her apartment; they're in the apartment complex. And he could have delivered her to her place and left her there, and right. and that didn't happen for what. And we don't know. We don't know. Right. Maybe Lauren was part of that, saying, "No, let's." Changed my mind. These guys are jerks. Let's go to your place. Right. Let's um, keep, yeah, let's keep the party going. But it seems odd to me that they're there. And th- I want to know more about him being punched because my thought on, on one level is if there's not like some solid story backing that, mm-hmm. then maybe he did something with her and she attacked him. And that's how he ended up with a black eye. That's, that's- and, th- and then this guy lawyers up and says, and here's the problem again, everybody, in the inner circle, the four major suspects that we need to look into, they all lawyered up. Yeah. Right. So let's just talk a little, and I don't know if I covered this. So the boyfriend, he helps with a couple searches after a couple searches, his parents come lawyer him up. So now he's not talking to the police and then Corey lawyers up, you know, but now all their lawyers say, but we're being cooperative with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But so anyways, so with the Corey thing, the problem I have with that, which doesn't make a lot of sense is I, I, I know that he's with her the most. So he's the number one suspect in my eyes right. more so than the current boyfriend. And he had some kind of assault, whether he provoked it or not. Sometimes you're just being a drunk idiot and somebody punches you. He might've not really been doing anything shady. Um, but he, 
throws up and then passes out. Yeah. And so he has the same, if not better alibi than the current boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, his theory or his statement stating that you, you should believe me because I, I threw up, I got sick. I went to bed Mm -hmm. and not only that, I was not the last person to see her. And you have my roommate backing up my story as well. Right. Um, well, you have actually two individuals backing up his story because you have two people that saw her after him. Correct. Right. So then you have Michael, the roommate of Corey, and he you know, is basically forced to try to look after this intoxicated girl. And he's trying to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't think there's anything bad there. I mean... Whether he was studying at home or not, you don't actually believe that. Uh, he was I was just kind of teasing. Right. But whether <laughs> whether or not he's, you know, maybe he's just hanging out, you know, playing video games. You know, he's just relaxing. Whatever. He's just at home. And that happens all the time where you're just like, hey, it's a, you know, it's a Friday or it's a whatever day of the week it is. And you're just going to watch a movie. But you live on campus. Well, that movie might be interrupted by 15 drunk people or 15 drunk friends or two drunk friends. And then, then it becomes, well, I just wanted to relax in the evening. Now I'm dealing with drunk people and there's nothing, there's probably not much. There's probably not much more annoying thing in the world than being sober around intoxicated people. It's extremely annoying. Uh, the, the thing here is captain, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the boyfriend aside, like you said. Okay. But I'm going to focus on these three guys. Corey, Michael, Jason. Mm -hmm. And if we are to believe Corey, Michael, and Jason, they all have the same story. You know, they tell the same timeline. If we're to believe their story works, then in my opinion, this Michael guy, the the roommate of Corey's, he actually has, he would be the least likely suspect to me out of the three of these guys. He seems to have the, the least amount of involvement with this whole and story. And I wouldn't know what his motive would be other than, oh, this drunk girl just showed up and now I'm going to murder her. Yeah, and he and he seems to have passed her off, you know, taking her to Jason's apartment. Right. You know, this being around 3.30 in the morning. So in under this scenario, you have Corey who spent the most time with her. And it's a little convenient that he doesn't seem to remember anything after being punched in the face or even remember much of that incident at all. Yeah, which is crazy because he says, well, I, I, I blacked out. But yeah. then how do you know that you carried her? Mm-hmm. Like, it's one or the other. You and, know what I mean? And the thing here, though, is then Michael takes her to, to Jason's, and she's there for about an hour, according to Jason. Right. And if these stories check out, Jason is the last one to see her before she disappears. Thus, to me, making him the second most likely. I still keep Corey, still keep Corey at that number one spot. Right. So then what's the third theory by the police? The third theory is that she would have been drugged at the bar or drugged sometime during that night. You know, Mm -hmm. she's out partying. She's drinking a lot. Somebody put something in her drink. Um, Which is very possible. It's very possible. I actually think that if someone put something in her drink, that it would have been somebody she was hanging out with that night. Um, I I know it's it can happen that they just happen to stop off at this bar for 45 minutes and someone slips something in her drink there. That, right. that obviously can happen, but I don't understand how that works out. If it's a stranger, does this guy just kind of follow them around and stand around and wait till four 30 in the morning to see her again alone? You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. seems a bit random to me um, where it, yeah, if, I think if she was drugged, it's probably more likely she was drugged by somebody she, she was hanging out with. I would have liked to have known how intoxicated she was at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was was this falling down drunk? Was this something that they saw coming? Or was this something that just all of a sudden was brought on? Ladies and gentlemen, trust me, we've now this is what, 92 episodes or something like that. We have talked a lot of a lot of cases where we talk about date date rape or or drugging somebody's drink. Mm-hmm. Be careful when you're out drinking. Make sure that you're watching your drink and your friend's drinks. Everybody, not just ladies. Everybody be careful. I said ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you I did? Think. Well, I thank so. you. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, too, they say always make sure that it's the bartender handing you your drink, not somebody well, else. Well, but well, you need to watch the bartenders as well. 
because of the Joey LeBute case that we're talking about. You know, I've been diving into some new stuff there. And there was some reports of, you know, I, I have some friends that have been. Uh, this is speculation. Speculation. But I do have some friends that have been at bars in that area that ha- they they believe that they were roofied and they watched their drink the whole time. And they think the only way that they could have been date rape drug or roofied would have been by the bartender. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason why the captain is a recluse. <laughs> no, no. It's because of Howard Hughes. So, uh, please, theory number four. This is the drug overdose theory. That uh, something mm-hmm. that she overdosed that night. We talked about a lot of partying going on that night. And that her friends or a friend got scared and dumped the body or hid the body somewhere because of the overdose. Right. Which I, I, I think, okay, a couple things. One, we, we do not have a body. We do not know where Lauren is. Mm-hmm. So we do not have any kind of toxicology report or anything. Right. So we don't know how much of anything was in, in her system. Right. It's it's believed that she was consuming quite a bit of alcohol. We are told that she was also doing cocaine and snorting Klonopin. You, We heard the rumor of possible ecstasy being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, that, and that's a crazy cocktail. Yeah. I mean, any, any three of these four together would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the finding of the cocaine at her apartment that, that may back some of this up in my opinion. It certainly points towards backing it up a little bit, but, it, but I guess you could go either way. Um, again, we, I still think that we need more information on the whole situation. She did have that long QT syndrome though. This would be a heart condition. Okay. This I'm not a doctor, but I'm guessing that having a heart condition and doing potential drugs that could increase your heart rate or slow them down or mm-hmm. confuse your body would would even make a potential uh, bad cocktail lethal. Yeah, and you know, heart disease aside, I mean, we already have that report that clonopin is a very deadly, you know, a thing a drug to mix with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You should not mix that with anything, and you should not be using that unless directed by a doctor. Um, Lauren's family has plenty of times voiced their suspicions about her friends that she was hanging out with that night, as well mm-hmm. as her boyfriend, uh, pointing out that they have all refused police issued polygraph tests. They all have retained lawyers very quickly into this investigation or the disappearance of Lauren. Right. So it sounds like Lauren's parents are at, at the very least believe one or more of these dudes know more than what they are willing to tell us. Well, I definitely think they do, but I think some of that is that they have a reputation and they don't want to, you know, come out and say, well, I was on this drug too. Or, you know, there, a lot of people will say, Oh, well, well, mom and dad, well, I, I was hanging out with her, but I, you know, I was just drinking. I wasn't doing that other stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I think you touched upon something that I was thinking about too, was that, I think you could make an argument either way on this situation. You could make an argument for Lauren's parents that these guys have not cooperated, but Mm -hmm. I think you on some level could make an argument that they have cooperated. Um, If in fact she did leave on her own accord, Mm -hmm. how, how responsible, how much are they, how much do they have to be involved? I guess is what I'm saying as far as the investigation goes. Well, they, they weren't forcing her to drink and they weren't forcing her to do drugs if there was no roofie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she is responsible for that. You know, I think, you know, it comes down to some somewhat privilege, you know, and I think, you know, let's just be honest. She was, she's a white female. All four suspects are white males. Mm-hmm. Family probably has some kind of financial backing. You know, the, the boyfriend helps for two days. It's your girlfriend since high school. And you help for two days, and then you lawyer up. That's a little fishy. And then everybody else lawyers up right away. And yes, it's a police polygraph, and I don't know how much I trust that. Now, you were telling me that some of them actually have taken polygraphs. Yeah, so this is the, the, the guys have responded to the Spears' public suspicions by saying that they have taken privately administered polygraphs as well as one from the FBI. Now, that statement is a little confusing to me because I'm not sure if that means that all of them have taken an FBI-administered test or if mm-hmm. just one of them has. Um, if they have, if all of them have, I see no reason why the FBI test shouldn't more than suffice 
for a Bloomington police department test. Right. You know, Bloomington to me is a, is a college town. It's not New York city. It's not Washington DC. I would think that the FBI have better tests, you know, than most larger police agencies Mm -hmm. with a lot of funding and a lot of resources. And I would love to know what questions were asked and I'd love to know what the results of those tests were. Yeah, that's that's something key there, Captain, because were these softball questions? Mm-hmm. You know, were these pri- privately administered polygraphs that were at the request of their own lawyers? You know, we've seen situations where a defense attorney will take somebody on as their client, but they subject them to a polygraph test because they want to get a feel if the person's actually innocent or not. Right. So they know how to construct their investigation you know, the defense of their client. Yeah. It's really hard for me to think that if I'm partying with people and somebody OD'd that I wouldn't be calling nine one one right away. I would party with your body for like (laughs) for the next few hours. Take you to waffle house, like uh, weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. Dance, dance me around. No, but it's like, uh, look, yeah, I think there's some privilege here, but I don't think, you know, when the, there's a retired FBI agent that's on this case. And one of his things and one of his theories is that she OD'd and they got scared. And the last thing that, you know, young 20 some year old guys want is the police involved. Mm-hmm. No, the last thing they want is their for their friends. Dead to, part, yeah. Right. To OD. And yes, you are, you are on drugs, but you can call the ambulance. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's the first step. I mean, these Obviously, these guys are at this higher, quote unquote, higher education, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the the idea that they would just take her and dump her into the Ohio River opposed to calling the ambulance seems a little ludicrous to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing, like I said before, witnesses say that she was doing cocaine and Klonopin. Uh right. Were those witnesses those same dudes? Um, because then you could take it, take it either way. Either a, they've come clean with what they know and they've admitted to illegal activity or now they're making some shit up because they've done something even worse. Right. Right. But then at that point, it's not about an OD. Maybe these individuals were, you know, they did some sick shit. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a, a raping murder, dump her body into the river. You know, but this whole idea that they're well, they they just wouldn't call the cops. They wouldn't go. They wouldn't call an ambulance. I mean, you could if the last thing you want, the last thing you want is a dead body. But the second thing you don't want is the cops. Well, okay, there's a step in between. Somebody disodied. Let's call the ambulance. You don't have to call the cops. You call the ambulance, mm-hmm. or you drive that individual to a hospital. It did. It makes you know. These are people that or. or are friends with her or at least acquaintances with her. They're not just going to like, Oh, well shit, what are we going to do? Let's just put her in a bag and dump, dump her in a river. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I really like, and most of the time I'm very on the side of FBI agents, but for some reason, every time they go to that theory, I just, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, we got some even stranger theories to get to right after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem. And it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. I want to go through this newspaper article that came out April 2013, and it's titled, Remains Are Found in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Remains were found in a remote area of Indiana, and a lot of people suspected that these would be the remains of college student Lauren Spear. Wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. Brown County Chief Deputy Coroner Earl Piper told Fox News 
that the remains discovered belonged to 26-year-old Kate McGrail, mm-hmm. who was reported missing in April of 2010. The remains were found on a private property by two women looking for mushrooms. Well, that's what I normally do. Well, originally they had just found a skull, but when they called it in and the authorities came out, the other remains were found. Mm -hmm. Uh, Piper said that the identification was made through dental records and no cause of death has been released. Now, while the bones were found a a couple weeks before this article had actually come out, they waited till they had identified them. Um, Authorities began to investigate whether they had belonged to missing women in the area, this including Spear. So, So think about this for a second. You are a family member of Lauren who has gone missing or, or a loved one or a friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this news comes out that there are remains found. And I imagine that it, this is the nightmare that all of these people, all of these victims go through in these disappeared type cases. That anytime somewhere in an area close to where they went disappeared, if, if remains are found, now you're drugged back into the story. You're reliving the nightmare again. You're hoping and praying that it's that it's not her or maybe you're praying that it is her so you can finally get some answers and bring her home. Right, or get some closure. Kate McGrail was a graduate of Indiana University. She was last seen leaving for a solo hike near her mother's home in Brown County. Her father, Jim, he lived in Nashville, Indiana, told the Indianapolis Star that he believes that his daughter had died from hypothermia. Again, there was no cause of death determined Mm -hmm. uh, as of mid-2016, So we're yet to see a more recent update than this. But the Brown County coroner did state that what they do know is that she had died in the place where she was found. Okay. Uh, And they, they said that foul play is not suspected. But I only bring that up because when you're going through these cases, like we said, anytime this news pops up. These family members or friends, mm-hmm. they're out somewhere, they hear this news on the radio, they see it on the TV or maybe in their local newspaper. They're immediately on the phone or they're getting calls from investigators wondering if this is a connection. Yeah, and your your heart goes out to them or anybody that has had to deal with that. So let's get into some of the stranger theories and some of the stranger coincidences that have come up since the disappearance of Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one being that of the ex-con and the white truck. On the night that Lauren disappeared, police said that a white truck was spotted on surveillance footage not far from where she was last seen. Yeah. So there's a possibility that this vehicle could be involved. The Bloomington Police Department were investigating any potential link between this truck and Lauren Spears' disappearance. You know, the thought here is, did this driver happen to be driving down the street saw her at an intersection and immediately pulled over. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this is exactly what he was looking for. Talks her into the vehicle. This could take just a matter of seconds. And then at that point he's got her and he takes her to, to wherever. Yeah. Or maybe doesn't talk her in forces, you know, forces her in by gunpoint. That's a possibility. But, but who is this individual that's driving this white truck? Um, well, they're not for certain who he is, but where the ex con comes into play is the FBI agent. He's actually a former FBI agent uh, by the last name of Garrett, who now works for ABC News. Mm-hmm. Um, he discovered that there was an ex-convict named James McLish, and he just happened to be released from prison. From uh, He was there for assaulting his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. He was released at the time of this disappearance, right. and he drove a similar white truck. Right, and so then they got a call from the, the ex-wife that he assaulted saying, hey, you might want to check into this guy. Yeah. And that, that's what tipped them off. He, he also happened to have been living in a halfway house at the time, which was just about 10 minutes from where Lauren had disappeared. What were the claims that the ex-wife was making? Well, she says that James McLish had killed Lauren and then buried her on a farm in Southern Indiana, Mm -hmm. uh, stating that he had, you know, said things to her in regards like comments that he would make to her, things like, well, you know what happened to Lauren and the same thing could happen to you. So threats that, that she is alleging he had said to her. Well, I think it's weird that, you know, he goes to prison for assaulting you and why are you having any contact with this individual? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, you know, are, are you having contact because you like drama? Are you having contact with this individual because he's forcing you to? Like, are yeah. You, are you welcoming this to I do want to throw something out there though regarding 
ex-wives, ex-girlfriends. And I'm not saying that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody to read too much into this, but I know regarding the Long Island serial killer case that through the tip line, they were getting a lot of tips from ex-wives, ex-girlfriends that were accusing former, you know, husbands and boyfriends right, of being, lovers, yeah. it being involved. So this is something that is, is actually pretty common in a, in a pretty popular case. Um, but they had made contact, uh, the former FBI agent Garrett, he made contact with this James McLish. Now, James agrees to a lie detector test, mm-hmm. um, and he wants to prove that he was not involved in the disappearance of Lauren. Yeah, he wants to clear his name. So when it came to questions about Lauren, uh, James stuck to his denials, uh, answering calmly and clearly. Uh, he said he had nothing to do with Lauren's disappearance. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, at the end of the day, it sounds like they didn't gain much from this lie detector. They didn't think that he was being untruthful. Right. Um, they, they basically thank him for his cooperation and he tells the, you know, the investigators that he wishes them the best of luck. Right. So now if this individual was driving this white truck, then we can rule that out as a lead. Mm-hmm. But if this individual was not driving that particular white truck, then that is still a very possible lead. You're exactly right. And I think just his cooperation shows that he's probably not guilty of anything regarding Lauren's case. Mm -hmm. Um, Another strange thing that took place uh, was the biker gang uh, theory. Now, this is from the streets of Indiana. There's a notorious motorcycle gang called the Sons of Silence. Um, There is an alleged link to the Spear case which came in the form of tips from a former member of the group. This person's name is Robert Strange, who goes by mm-hmm. the name of Bodine. Wait, wait. His real name is Robert Strange? Yeah. And he goes by the name of Bodine. Old Bodine. Which is crazy because your real name is Bodine and you go by the captain. Right. Uh, Strange captain doesn't. Strange. Strange. Robert Strange does not have any criminal record, uh, but he is well known to the authorities, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's got a reputation for being what they call an enforcer. Um, so if the gang has a problem, you know, they go to him and he kind of just takes care of it. Right. Uh, but again, no good criminal hockey record. Player. So going by the name of Bo Dean, this is a former member of a local motorcycle gang. Uh, according to the investigators. Mm-hmm. Now, what they discover is an online message in which one of Robert Strange's relatives claimed that Strange shot Lauren in a dispute over drugs and money and then buried her on his property. Mm-hmm. The message reads, it's very good fertilizer. Well, if he's talking about Lauren, then that's just some sick shit right there. Well, and these are online messages, so they could have really been posted by anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing here is what investigators did come up with was that, you know, this gang and this particular person had ties. They were in the Indianapolis area, and they couldn't find any link between Lauren and the Indianapolis area. And they used basically her cell phone records to come up to try to establish a link. They couldn't do that. Uh, ultimately what they think is happening here is that this guy probably has made a lot of enemies over the years. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like somebody's trying to set him up or maybe just kind of throw suspicion his way to put him under the radar of the police. Well, and she lost her keys, mm-hmm. right? So to get from Bloomington to Indianapolis or for this person to be just passing a by that late at night from Indianapolis to Bloomington would doesn't seem that likely. If she did owe somebody money or if there was some kind of dispute over drugs, if if that dispute went down at 4.30 in the morning when she just happened to be alone, drunk on a street corner, right? it, it seems very strange to me that this person would just happen to catch her in that area at that time. Yeah, but some men are just shit talkers. Like take the ex-con, right, for mm-hmm. example. Like his ex-wife calls and says, hey. This guy assaulted me, and he's been making threats. Mm-hmm. You know what happened to her will happen to you, implying that he did it because he's some tough guy. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's not a tough guy comment. That's stupid. So shut the fuck up, right? So, and then here's another guy that you know he's a big bad biker guy, and he's a part of the biker gang. You know, and we we do tough shit. You know, oh man, that girl made good fertilizer. Shut the fuck up. You know. Well, again, though, I, I think I think the investigators might have it right where I don't think I, I'm starting to think that those are not his messages. 
that those are something that that other people have. They're right, trying but to you see what I'm saying them. is that these guys sometimes like they boast like, man, I'm so tough. Oh yeah, you know, it's like just knock it off. Oh yeah, it definitely happens. But there was this other lead you were talking about that was pretty interesting. Yeah, this came from. Remember, we mentioned the website findlorn.com. There's information regarding her disappearance on there, and if mm-hmm. you if you have any information, you can go there and submit it. Uh, they were collecting tips through findlorn.com, and it was from that site that the family had received a tip that some say may hold the best chance for an answer. Uh, this tip led to a young man by the name of Corey Hammersley. Uh, he's an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. Hammersley was once a star student and athlete, uh, but he got in deep into the drug scene at Indiana University. Mm-hmm. One year after Lauren's disappearance, Hammersley had a meltdown. He's, he's high on drugs he steps out of his apartment. He's wearing nothing but a hat. Uh, I've seen parts of this video. It's, the guy likes to party. Yeah, it's it's scary, but it's also... It, it's it's sad, a, right? Well, it's a little funny, too, okay. in some parts. But it's definitely scary stuff. Because he takes out a firearm, and he starts shooting into a house. Mm. Um, he, he, is, he is then opening fire on the police once they're called in, and they, they try to arrest him. Jesus. Now, so obviously he's guilty as sin regarding this. He's caught red-handed being, you know, being a total uh, whatever. Wackadoo. But uh, so while he is serving time, uh, he's talking with another inmate. And um, they're talking about this news story that comes over the TV. And Hammersley tells the other inmate about a story about how Lauren had died at a house party with a group of people that he had known. Um, He's saying that they were drinking and they were doing ecstasy and that she had OD'd and the guys got scared and they didn't know what to do with her. So then they took her down to the Ohio River and they got rid of her disposing of her body. Right. And this is one of the police's theories, their main theories. And and this actually, you know, has more validity to it. Mm -hmm. You know, when when we don't know their sources of how they're getting this information. Are they only getting this information from this inmate or are they getting this information from the inmate and somebody outside of that four guy circle? No, they were only getting this information from an inmate that was serving time with, uh, Corey Hammersley. Um, so what happens is they, they get this information. And like you said, it goes with one of their original theories. This is also, this is also one of the more simple answers to what might have happened that night. And we know from doing so many of these cases, a lot of times the most simple explanation is, is usually the most accurate. Um, the thing here is, though, they reach out to Hammersley and they want to question him and see what he knows. Uh, he claims he doesn't know anything. Right. Uh, and furthermore, he also states that he's not going to help the police if, if, he, if he does come across knowledge in the future, or if he suddenly remembers something, uh, he has no, he he has no wishes to help the police in this investigation. Why? Uh, you you just, you're just thinking, screw the police. This is not about the police. You know, this is about, you know, the family's closure, you know, and, and figuring out what happened to this, this poor girl. Yeah, but I, you know, and I'm I'm not going to go as far to call Corey Hammers, Hammersley crazy. Uh, his what he did, his actions were certainly crazy. Uh, shooting at police officers, shooting into a house. Um, but he strikes me as a guy that doesn't doesn't give a shit, that doesn't right. care uh, mm-hmm. about much. He's serving 20 years in Indiana State Prison. Uh, so, so we can thank God that he's not going to get out for a long time. Uh, the problem is if he does know something, he's shut up about it and he's not going to give out any more information. The thing here though, is you, you talked about peacocking Mm -hmm. and sometimes guys say dumb stuff. Um, I could see this being that situation. You know, he's in prison. He's talking to other inmates he sees a story that comes over and, and, and these inmates, they know each other. They know, oh, that's the college kid. He went to Indiana University. Right. He oh, college he, boy. He ain't tough. You know, hey, college boy. Right. Well, then college boys got some information, mm-hmm. some information all of a sudden that police are looking for. That to me, it, it looks like probably a peacocking situation here. Right. So maybe his whole story is this little bit of horseshit. That's right. Right. So just so we're pretty clear about this. 
you know, this guy was not involved. He just heard rumors about this happening on campus. Yeah, if you believe his story, if he's saying that, story, right. that he knows how it went down. He might know some of the people involved. Uh, but right, but I, but but what I was saying, the reason why the police believe this story is they have some information that somebody came forward talking about this, mm-hmm. and I don't believe it's this person. Right, I think it's a, another source. Mm-hmm. So, but that to me, that's two people telling the same story. Mm-hmm. Now we need to dive into that a little more. I agree. And another thing to kind of clear up is the individual, the con that the ex-wife said, hey. You, you know, this guy assaulted me, look into him. They actually, after all the polygraph and stuff, they actually searched his property, even dug in certain areas and found nothing. Mm-hmm. And then after this, they're going to have another lead, and it's, a, I believe, a flasher. Yes. And this guy, he's a... <laughs> well, I, did, I said that, yes, like... <laughs> like, 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 you that's got excited. excited. Well, Sound like Marv maybe, Albert. Thing. Maybe that's your thing, man. Marv Albert. Uh, no. Uh, on January 28, 2016, the FBI conducted a raid on a home in Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, this is approximately 20 miles north of Bloomington, connected to a man sus- suspected of exposing himself to numerous women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBI and other police agencies converged on the home with Bloomington police confirming that they were involved in the search. Investigators sifted dirt removed from a barn near the property after cadaver dogs finished their work. Searchers would not discuss whether anything significant was found. Um, Investigators did tow away a white truck from the property. Here's that Mm, white truck again. Uh, The truck might be the one connected to uh, the disappearance of Lauren, but this truck is connected to a 35-year-old man by the name of Justin Wagers, uh, who lived with his mother and stepfather, uh, at the property until his arrest. Well, and this doesn't rule out this individual for me because one, I think it's weird with the white truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just because you didn't find her remains on the property doesn't mean that her remains weren't put somewhere else. You're exactly right. Uh, a little information on Justin Wagers here. Uh, he was a with registered that, sex offender. Right, the aggressive dater is what he is. Is that what you call it? Uh, well, he's a registered sex offender. Mm-hmm. Um, at least one news station was calling Justin the prime suspect in Lauren's disappearance. Uh, as far as far back as 1999, Wagers was arrested repeatedly for exposing himself in several Indiana communities. Uh, his criminal record includes uh, intimidation, harassment, violation of, pro- of a protection order. There was a Single minor misdemeanor charge of battery, uh, but this was eventually dropped. So what what I'm pointing this out because we're not seeing what I would call a violent offender. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's certainly infringing on other people's rights and exposing himself. He's certainly a sexual deviant. Right. Um, but, we're, but, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't you know, progress. You're exactly you know, right. I mean, there's a lot of serial killers that they start out as peeping Toms and this guy is, you know, Ted Bundy's one of the more famous serial killers that started off as a peeping Tom when he was like in his teenage years. Right. And I don't know how many of them were flashers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, Ted Bundy wanted to get a look. This guy is trying to give a look, yeah. you know, but, but there, you know, with the battery charges, again, I wouldn't rule this guy out. Now, last year they did obtain a DNA swab from Justin Wagers. So he, um, okay, so he gave that willingly. Well, he. <laughs> but e- either way, even if he gives it willingly, you have to find her body to connect that to him, right? And I want to kind of go through this for a second here because I got a lot of thoughts on this mm-hmm. regarding the DNA. So we can say he gave it willingly, but at the time he was jailed. Um, so sometimes in these situations, I, and it varies from state to state and maybe even from County to County. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're in prison or you're in jail and they request these things, it's not so much a request. If you know what I mean, it's, it's sometimes you have to consent to this. Um, I don't know what the exact case is here. They have obtained his DNA. As you said, without there being a body, the DNA may be of little to no use at all. Part of me wonders if that's more of an intimidation factor that maybe if you could get this guy to start talking by, cause you want this guy's mind to wander. If right. he, if he's guilty of something, you want him to think, 
well, why would they want my DNA? Shit, they want my DNA because they might they want to compare it to something. They right. found something. Oh, I better start talking. I better, you know, now's your one chance, buddy, to tell us what you know before this starts getting real bad for you. Um, I think that's the situation that we've seen here. This is still pretty early uh, regarding this Justin Wagers thing. We're talking about just a little over a year, less than a year since they've obtained the DNA. Mm-hmm. So I wonder where this could end up going if it if it could potentially lead to something. Right, and Justin's lawyer gave a statement. Yeah, basically just stating that his client has no knowledge of the case regarding the disappearance of Lauren Spear or any other missing person. Yeah, but see... I love how they throw that any other yeah, missing that any other missing person that that gives ugh, willies man. Well, you want to hear something else that will creep you out? Yeah, go for it. I'm ready. So we have we have a murder that took place um, in 2015, mm-hmm. and this has been very much linked to the Lauren Spear case. Now, this situation is strange because the woman that went missing, her name is Hannah Wilson. Um, she was at the same bar. She was at Kilroy's sports bar. Right. Um, and she was drinking on campus when she, when she had disappeared. Right. Uh, so very obvious links to the Lauren case. Now, the way that this goes down is that Hannah was out drinking. She was 22 years old at the time. And, um, she was out drinking at this bar all night long at, at, uh, Kilroy's. She takes a taxi cab home. Um, and she's, she's not seen after that. Right. The problem here is of course, originally the taxi cab driver is a suspect in this case. Of course, obviously, but they have, he has surveillance in his taxi cab smart on him and what protection. they, what they're able to prove, what he's able to prove is that at some point Hannah had paid her fare and left the cab. He drives off. Mm-hmm. So the really scary thing here is. Hannah was not abducted from the bar. She was not even really abducted on her way home. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know exactly when she was abducted, but she made it home. Her roommate states that they had heard the door open at some point that, that night. Wow. They didn't get up to investigate because, you know, people come home late. Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning, though, they find her belongings and her cell phone in her room. And the front door is still open. Right. Which would kind of go to the theory of being drugged. And then that individual has to follow the person that they drugged. Mm-hmm. And then so when she gets, you know, she gets back to her house, doesn't pass out in the taxi car. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she's abducted probably easier if she was drugged. Yeah, the situation here, Captain, is they they have arrested a man for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is Daniel Messel, and he was 49 years old at the time of this. He's been convicted since then. So now he's an obvious suspect in this Lauren case. Right. Uh, The situation here is they were easily able to connect this crime to Daniel because they found Daniel's cell phone at the foot, at the feet of Hannah Wilson, where he had left her body. Right. Uh, so he they, goes to dump the body and he drops his phone. And when they found the body, they find the phone. They quickly trace the phone to this Daniel Metzel and they go to his home. And when they get to his home, they find that he's got like scratch and claw marks all over his arm mm-hmm. um, where Hannah had put up a, a significant fight. And they also find blood and hair inside of his vehicle. Um, the what thing, kind of vehicle? Was it a white truck? No, it was a Kia Sportage, but I don't I don't know the right, color so of the it. So it was vehicle. a small SUV. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is definitely an individual that we have to look into. Right. Now there there are some investigators that have pointed out that they they're a little concerned about Daniel being a suspect in Lauren's case. And their thought is that he he couldn't successful, successfully pull off this murder and get away with it. This, the murder of Hannah Wilson, right? Uh, that he was pretty easily caught. Um, yeah, but he made one big mistake. He made one big mistake. You're exactly right. right. So it's like, you, you know, take away that one mistake. Do they still get their guy? They might never have got their guy. And then now you have two girls going missing from the same area. Mm-hmm. And, and, and both were assuming are deceased. Yeah. So, so I, I want to point this out because the investigators, don't think that this is a great lead. Um, however, the judge at his sentencing 
um, when he sentenced, they made a, the judge made a remark about a, a student that was attacked in 2009 on the college campus. Right. This was a drunk girl that got persuaded to get into a vehicle. She's attacked. She fights off the attacker and she gets out and she flees. She flees the area. Now she's not able to provide a vehicle description Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the attack itself. But I found it very curious that the judge kind of threw that out there during, during his trial. Maybe he knows a little more than we know. So where you have the investigators that might not think he's a potential suspect, you certainly have somebody close to a murder case that seems to think he's capable and probably should be suspected in other attacks or maybe, other the disappearance murders, yeah. of Lauren. Okay, so with all this on the table, where do we go from here? What's your thoughts? Uh, the thing, the only thing that I like about this case, it's, I mean, it's tragic. We have this missing girl. She, who knows how much partying she was doing that night? Right, right. But regardless, or how much party she was, how much partying she was doing, you know, months or years. Prior. Right. There's a couple thoughts I have on this. I'm I'm pretty much a live and let live person. You know, do do your thing as long as it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing. Um, so you know, she, she can do what she wants. I don't. I'm not going to go out and fault these guys that she was hanging out with just because they didn't take her home or they didn't put her to bed. At some point, we're all adults. And, and the thing is, I, I hate the expression when, when somebody has to fess up to something or when, when somebody has to admit to something, they go, or, or confronted with something, they go, oh, well, I was drunk. Well, that's not right, an right, excuse. Right, right. It's not really an excuse. As an adult, whether you be 20, whether you be 30, 40 years old, you choose to drink. If you choose to do certain drugs, well, there could be consequences that come with those actions. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not putting this on Lauren either but I can't fault those guys just for the fact that she didn't make it home safe. Uh, well, whether you're a man or a woman, you know, when you go out drinking, when you go out partying with anybody, you, you have to monitor what you're doing because you're putting yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, she was doing that and I don't fault her at all, but you know, those are, they're dangerous behaviors. And you have a responsibility to, to yourself. To, right. to keep yourself safe and to put yourself in smart situations and not bad situations. Mm-hmm. The one thing I do like about this case though, captain is it seems to, you know, we're almost seven years. We're almost six years, excuse me, removed from this thing. But this case seems to like not go cold. Right. Like every couple months, there seems to be a new coincidence or a new lead or a new possible suspect. Uh, I do like that because that, that to me points that we might get an answer someday. Right. We might be getting closer to, to a resolution on this. Yeah. And Lauren's parents have kind of reserved themselves to the fact that, that, that their daughter's probably not alive anymore. Right. Um, and, but they still need answers. They still deserve answers. Right. Uh, and I hope that they get them. And I think that we might see something. We have these, these other two guys that are both locked up now. We got the flasher and we got this other, this, uh, other guy that, horribly killed this young woman. Um, those are good, strong leads. The thing though, too, is these guys, if you the, are, if you're, if you were her friend, the four guys, that yeah, you're talking about, if the you four were major actually Lauren's friend, it's time to cooperate a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I recommend you do that with your attorney at your side, but, but it's, I think it's him. time to, right. I think it's time to cooperate a little more. And on top of that, I also think that the police should, regarding the surveillance footage, can they definitively say that she was standing at that intersection after 4.30 a.m., after leaving the apartment, and was she, in fact, by herself? Yeah, and I I think, like you said, if you guys were friends, even if you're just acquaintances, be a man, you know, with all this talk about, you know, strong women, strong men, just be a man, come forward, you know, do the right thing. And and if, if you know something, mm-hmm. if you don't, then I do, then I do apologize. And it's just because your involvement, you've been thrown under the bus. And I want I couldn't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. So on one side, if you know something, come forward. And if you don't, then, you know, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But those were also, you, you decided to make those choices by going out and partying with her. You're exactly so, right. You know, you have to deal with those consequences. 
I wish I had like a definitive theory of what I thought happened. There's too much gray in this case. Yeah. And and just when I start going, no, I think these guys know something that they're just not bringing up. I, then there's, you know, this flasher guy, mm-hmm. this other murderer. And I, and I think that murderer is telling. I think you're right. You know, and I think, again, how are you going to get that guy to crack? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, the thing here is I do think this case will develop more. I do think that we probably will see a resolve to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing is, it's that's what I didn't like about this case is that there there is that gray area, and it's very tough to give a definitive uh, answer or theory as to what we think happened here. If anybody has any other leads or theories, feel free to post those on our blog at truecrimegarage.com. Do we have a recommended reading for this week? This week we are recommending The Last Victim by Jason Ross. Um, this this whole book thing that Jason Ross put together didn't start off as a book idea. This originally was a college course assignment, which turned into, it escalated into a dangerous obsession. Mm-hmm. Back when Jason Ross was 18 years old, he was an honor student. Uh, he wrote to some very bad men, uh, men whose bodies, body counts had made criminal history. These are Dahmer, Manson, Ramirez, and Gacy. Uh, he kind of posed himself pretending to be kind of one of their ideal victims in his correspondence with them. Uh, and he kind of lured them in to get uh, some truths and get some information from them. Right. So one by one, they end up writing him back. They start showering him with their madness and their violent fantasies. Uh, and this kind of thing really spun out of control when John Wayne Gacy said that he would like to meet Jason and eventually Jason goes to meet him. So Pick this up. It's a very interesting book. It's called The Last Victim by Jason Ross. You can do that by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com, and click on the recommended page. And I can't thank you enough. I can't. I can't thank you enough. Oh, you're welcome. Can't stop. <laughs> I can't <laughs> stop thanking you, Nick. No, uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Make sure you follow us on Snapchat, Twitter, Untapped, YouTube, whatever. Much love to you guys. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.